Well, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome wherever you're listening to to the pod, the uh, Drones for Good podcast. Andrew Crow's my name, as you know by now. Um, really, really excited today to get stuck into chatting to some uh, some local guys here in Australia uh, from Infravision, um, Josh and Paul, and we'll get into their backgrounds um, very shortly. Um, first of all, and on top, I hope everyone uh, from sort of Sydney and Melbourne and, and across Australia are doing well. Um, with COVID, obviously, it's a, it's quite a difficult time for a lot of people, particularly from my hometown uh, in Sydney, and, and certainly thinking of everybody across New South Wales. Um, obviously, if you need anything across the industry, you can always reach out to us at Merrigan. You can reach out to AUS. You can reach out across multiple places. So don't be scared to, to stick your hand up and uh, and say, I need a hand. There's, there's plenty of people out there um, rooting for you and, and hoping that you know we get through this and we get on with it. Um, but anyway, that stuff aside, let's uh, let's get stuck in. So today, um, we're really lucky to have uh, Josh Williams, who's Director of Aviation, and also Paul Crawford, who's Director of Operations uh, for Infravision. How are you guys? Welcome along. Yeah, uh, really great, Andrew, and uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks very much, Andrew. It's uh, great to be great to be dialing in and great to be on the podcast. Yeah, cool. And I'm going to point out um, at the start of this, because we might as well throw it out at the very beginning. Um, so Josh is based in Sydney, Paul's up here in Brisbane, but all three of us are on Zoom. So um, if you hear a bit of stuttering or talking over each other, we'll apologise in advance, uh, but I'm sure we'll be able to get to the crux of what we want to talk about, which is technology and safety and capacity and innovation and those types of things as we get through it. So, hey, um, guys, I, I might kick off with Paul for first uh, in the operations um, aspects. So what I want to know about you guys is, is where you've come from, how the hell you ended up at Infravision um, and doing what you're doing. So, um, Paul, I might throw to you first. Thanks, Andrew. Um, well, for myself, um, I guess I, I, I commenced, and this is a long story I'm going to cut down to as short as possible, <laughs> uh, because I started, I'm the elder statesman here, and I started with uh, Qantas uh, back in 1988, when I uh, walked through the gates of the Qantas Jet Base in Sydney, and um, I started out as an avionics apprentice. So back in the late 80s, and um, I had 32 uh, fantastic years uh, at Qantas. Um, really was uh, an, an experience, not just for myself, but my family. Um, I got to uh, travel the world, Qantas for a, a fantastic employer. Um, I had the opportunity to represent Qantas both domestically um, through the Asia-Pacific region and, and into Europe, working on a, a number of um, projects on behalf of the Engineering and Maintenance Division um, of Qantas. So some of those highlights were the multi-role uh, tanker transport program, the A330s that are, mm -hmm. you know, serving serving the RAF fantastically uh, today. We, we, they are, we can, yep. Yeah, we completed those, uh, those the first four aircraft here in Brisbane. Um, I'm really proud to have led that project uh, onshore here. Um, and I ended my, my 32 years as the head of base maintenance uh, for Qantas, which was a, a division of, of Qantas that looked after all of our heavy maintenance activities on the Qantas fleet. Um, and also all of our uh, Qantas workshops, uh, component maintenance facilities around Australia. Um, and part of that role, and, and this is really when we transitioned into the Infravision piece, was I, I had the responsibility or the accountability to the regulator, to CASA, in regards to the airworthiness uh, and the safety of the aircraft. And it's, it's been something that's really been a foundation of um, my career. Um, and it's been great to transition into InfraVision and, and bring that along. 
Yeah, that's outstanding. And, and um, I'll take a second to go on a bit of a tangent. I come from a heavy Qantas background as well. So both my parents worked for Qantas. Dad was in operations. And mum started off as a flight attendant in 1979 with CAA and then retired sort of about August, uh, August a couple of Augusts ago. And we, we just recently in Mirrigan hired an A380 pilot through Qantas, um, who obviously isn't doing a lot of flying at the moment. And um, my cousin's an A3, uh, is a is a, um, a maintainer down at Qantas in Sydney as well. So I come from a heavy background uh, of Qantas. Well, what's your what's your thoughts around all the stand downs and everything going on? It must be a fairly sad time for a lot of your cohort. Yeah, look, I think um, you know the commercial aviation um, scene over the last eighteen months has been incredibly challenging. Mm. Um, Certainly, um, from my uh, side of the business that I was looking after, um, there was two aspects to it. One was obviously the aircraft weren't flying a lot and therefore um, there wasn't the same level of uh, maintenance to be carried out. And and like you just spoke about then, there's certainly been an impact to the industry um, Mm. in regards to um, ongoing employment, certainly from the flight operations perspective. And um, like you said, there's, there's some amazing people out there mm. um, with, some, with some amazing skill sets um, that we've also seen come into the, into the drone side of the, of the house. Yeah, and hopefully, I guess we're on the we're on the flight path out of, of COVID and, and we'll sort of see what happens. So how did, but how did you go from Qantas to Infravision? How, how did that happen? Ah, well, it, st- it started with a, a beer in a bar in um, All in good Sydney. Stories too. Yeah, <laughs> and it was actually with with Josh, who's on the ah. pod today, uh, and also uh, Cameron, one of the co-founders. And and it really started in the um, it was very early on um, in two thousand and twenty. So it was it was pre COVID, and um, and we were getting together, and it was through a, a mutual uh, friend, actually, that um, that I met the guys, and and we were really discussing um, the operational side of the business in Infravision, um, and and I, I can you know acutely remember sitting there in the in the bar over a beer, and uh, Cameron and uh, Josh were both pitching um, what Infravision, uh, what the vision was of Infravision, and I remember sitting there and just thinking, wow. You know, like this, this is amazing. I'd this heard cool. some, I'd, I'd heard some applications of drones previously, um, but I had never heard anything like this. Um, and it was really um, a six-month process after that that I got to know the guys better and better and what Infravision was doing. And then, um, yeah, I ended up making the making the decision uh, around September, October last year to to part ways with uh, Qantas, which I've got to say was both an incredibly difficult decision. But at the same time, it was an easy decision in that I was coming into a business that was um, really innovating, um, really at the cutting edge of technology and um, using, and if I could steal the, the title of your, of your podcast, Drones for Good. I mean, it was, yeah. it was an application of drones that I'd never heard of before that really struck home to me, especially from a, uh, a health and safety perspective. Yeah, cool. And that's, you know, a lot of this is, is all about that, isn't it? Finding those those safety cases and how we can use drones um, for a safer world. Um, so, Josh, let, let's get stuck into you as well. What, what's your background? How, how did you get you know, to be um, having a beer with Paul in a, in a bar last, um, last January? Yeah, thanks very much, Andrew. And yeah, like you said, it does sound like the start of a uh, of a joke. However, it's uh, <laughs> you know it's been a it's been a really great um, working relationship that we're able to forge off the off the back of that. Um, so I, I guess my background, um, uh, I grew up in southwestern Queensland out on a cattle property in the Dirrambandi district, 
Um, okay. Went to boarding school in uh, Queensland and then uh, joined the Air Force after um, after sort of, you know, being so fascinated with aviation my entire sort of um, childhood. Um, I've been flying since I was 15 years old. Um, I joined the Air Force, went down to the academy, uh, graduated 213 pilots course and got posted to Maritime Patrol to 10 Squadron. Cool. Um, I completed my tour um, there with a uh, few trips to the Middle East, um, a lot of time spent up in Darwin and north of Australia conducting border operations, um, a, a lot of search and rescue operations and really using the, uh, the P3 and um, had the honour of, of leading a crew as well, which is um, you know, probably a real career highlight for me. Um, off the back of that, I was posted to instruct um, at the Basic Flying Training School at Tamworth um, mm-hmm. as a qualified flying instructor. So I did, uh, did three years there teaching basic pilots course to the Army, Navy and Air Force. Um, again, loved every minute of that. And uh, it was really great being on the front end of, um, of the recruiting process in, in terms of sort of taking, you know, uh, people that were applying to those who had joined the, uh, you know, actually joined up and were completing their ab initio training. Uh, after that, I was um, posted to America, to uh, Jacksonville in Florida to learn to fly the P-8 Poseidon um, and I guess take the next um, step in the uh, the maritime patrol sort of journey that the Air Force had locked in with the, the P-8 Poseidon. And then uh, was lucky enough, I, I avoided 292 Squadron, which was the training squadron, and was posted um, directly to the operational squadron, which um, is and remains 11 Squadron. Um, to instruct and mentor, um, I guess, uh, pilots mostly and, and crews sort of more generally um, at 11 Squadron. Um, it was around the same time that, um, you know, my exposure uh, to, inf- you know, I, I became exposed to infravision um, through a, um, a colleague, a friend and, and someone who actually joined the Air Force with <laughs> back in uh, 2000 and 2004. Um, and I was engaged initially to just provide a little bit of uh, advice and a little bit more context around sort of aviation safety, um, aviation risk management, um, as, as the company was sort of starting to look towards um, the, the power line stringing application utilising, um, you know, autonomous systems. And it's really, I guess, the, the rebirth of InfraVision in, in a lot of, lot of regards was a a particular job we we're engaged with um, to string a line across a gorge outside of Canberra um, and, and something that um, we we're able to achieve um, successfully. Um, that was one of the, sort of the real drivers behind us generate, building this technology. Um, and uh, so, you know, from that point, I sort of, uh, you know, stepped, uh, continued to be involved in the, in the company and, uh, and then eventually, um, made the decision to separate from the Defence Force and, um, yeah, and came on full-time from uh, the start of uh, 2020, again, just before, uh, before COVID hit and uh, just, uh, just after that, uh, that fateful beer with Paul. Um, <laughs> Everything comes back to the fateful beer. Um, that's I it. Think as, as an ex-Army bloke, I'm supposed to probably hang up on the podcast now with, with a Rafi on here and, and refuse to, to go any further, but um, that's okay. We'll, we'll keep going. But I think if you would, uh, I think around your time you joined, um, if you were down to that for around that 0304 period, I was just across the hill at, at Duntroon, funnily enough, at the same time in 0304. So we may have um, crossed paths at Mooseheads or something at some point when we were down in Canberra. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and you mentioned a bit earlier before, um, Cameron's had a mention a couple of times, and that would be Cameron Vandenberg, who's the CEO currently of Infrision. Is that right? Yeah. So Cam and uh, and Chris are the, the co-founders of Infravision. Um, yep. Cam's background, um, uh, he's a mechatronics engineer by trade, um, and he's worked um, in the energy industry since he, uh, since he graduated university, even before that. Um, mostly uh, on co-generation projects up in uh, far north Queensland and also working with some of the uh, Tier 1 contractors in the actual construction of uh, power lines. So, you know, I guess that's where the energy focus really um, originated from within the, within the company. Um, and his co-founder is um, uh, Chris Cox, who um, is a former Air Force and Army officer and, a, uh, and an armoured, well, he was an armoured officer, um, before um, essentially, um, you know, starting Improvision, and they'd previously started a, a couple of other um, successful startups as well. Um, before really focusing on the on the energy industry and the particular use of you know autonomous uninhabited systems to help some solve some of the legacy problems within the industry. So, you know, that, that's always been the focus since I've been at the company, and, and definitely since Paul's been at the company is is focusing some of the, focusing in on some of those legacy problems and how we can help use technology, systems, engineering, process uh, to overcome some of those challenges. And you're saying all the right things that resonate with me very, very quickly, which is, you know, finding the problem and, and you know, replacing people and uh, replacing um, tasks with more safer ways. And we're going to get um, stuck in heavily in, into what you guys are doing. But before we go um, too much further, so, Paul, from an operations perspective, um, how big is Infovision at the moment? How many people have you got? Um, we should put a bit of a shout-out to Tim Hibbard, who, who I worked with um, down at 20 Regiment back in the day as well. Um, so how, how big is the company? Um, so Infravision is a group of around about 20 uh, people. We have locations um, in uh, Sydney. Um, we have a, uh, our factory, and we'll, I guess we'll get more into the sort of Infravision process and system uh, in a bit, but we have a, a factory uh, up here in uh, Queensland at the Sunshine Coast. Um, we also have uh, a facility out in Western Sydney. So we're out at Walgrove where we're actually co-located um, uh, at some uh, transgrid facilities uh, and also a, a fantastic um, test and training facility not far from Walgrove uh, out at Kemp's Creek, which is a real-life scenario uh, energy easement where we can um, train, uh, improve process, really dive deep on the product development um, and that's that's been fantastic uh, for us. So we're, we're essentially situated across those three uh, areas with a core group of around about uh, 20 of us, uh, but also drawing upon industry in regards to um, additional um, uh, drone pilots, our ground crew operators uh, on a casual basis uh, as we need. But I have to say we, we just uh, have been going through a recruitment program and um, I think touching upon your point previously about uh, just having a, a, an X uh, A380 uh, pilot coming on board with yourself, um, there is no doubt that um, the amount of talent um, out there uh, in the industry at the moment is uh, is immense, and it's been really um, fantastic to see, um, you know, the the amount of people, the skill set, and and some diversity coming through uh, in the recruitment process. 
I'd agree completely. And, and we come across people in a you know full time capacity or, or in a casual capacity or just a contract capacity. And um, yeah, it's it's also great to help these people out while um, you know aircraft aren't flying. And no doubt a lot of them will go straight back to Qantas as soon as they're back in the air, which which will be amazing. But let's talk about Infravision. Um, I'm keen to understand more about the company. So we, we like to talk at Mirigan a lot about um, problem centric solutions. So people aren't just designing stuff and doing stuff and building stuff for the sake of it, um, but they're doing this stuff and they're, they're designing these um, outstanding innovative technologies to meet a real problem in the industry. Um, so I'll let you two fight over who's going to answer this question first. But what is the uh, what is the primary problem? What is Infravision trying to solve? Uh, Infravision is solving the catastrophic risk uh, posed by manned um, aerial operations, particularly in close proximity um, in the energy industry. Um, we've taken a, a real focus in on uh, again some of the traditional sort of aspects of construction. Uh, maintenance and inspection activities and essentially built a, a system that um, provides a, a valid alternative um, to conducting those activities. So, you know, I guess our, our leading product is the what we call the TX system. Um, it's exactly that. It's a system. It's made up of a, a number of different elements um, that really centres around a, a trailer-based uh, solution that's deployable onto transmission easements. Um, inside this trailer, uh, we have space for drones and we've been able to integrate uh, drones from uh, Australia, some great systems operated, uh, sorry, built by uh, one of the, your, uh, your former guests, uh, a company called Free Space Operations. Ah, the, uh, uh, the Irishman, Ken King. That's it. Um, uh, systems uh, from across the, the globe, so uh, Europe um, and continental uh, US. And also we've been able to utilise uh, commercial off-the-shelf systems during prototyping as we've sort of evolved the product. Um, inside the trailer, there's a, uh, a power system that um, allows, uh, that connects to the winch. And we've built a, uh, a I guess, a patented um, solution that allows us to generate a, um, a networked effect between the drone and the winch to allow us to string power lines. Um, you know, the initial focus was, you know, getting that line from the bottom of Burrenjuk Gorge to the other side to, to help solve the problem. Um, however, what we've been able to see by being involved in the industry and developing this solution is that there is a myriad of other opportunities um, to utilise the, the technology. And really what we've been focused on for the last 18 months is de developing a system that's going to conduct industrial-scale um, power line stringing. So we're not talking about just running out a single line across a, a valley. Um, we're talking about day-in, day-out construction activities, um, you know, with the sole focus of eliminating that, uh, that catastrophic risk that's posed by utilising helicopter um, you know, in a suboptimal sort of performance envelope um, for, you know, for what a, a manned helicopter was uh, designed for. Um, there's a myriad of other benefits that, uh, that we've seen from this sort of systems-based uh, approach. Um, and, you know, some of the other, uh, I guess, areas where we've focused on have been uh, training, uh, regulatory compliance, um, both on the aviation side of the house, uh, which is uh, my responsibility, and also on the, um, I guess, 
industrial side of the house, so the construction industry. Um, you know, we have to seamlessly integrate into a, um, a construction site every time we go into the field, and and really that's where uh, you know Paul's expertise has has um, has come to its uh, come to the fore. Yeah, and so talking the maintenance side of it, because it's something that I think everyone's interested in, particularly around, um, you know, the common misconception at times that drones are going to be far more unsafe than, than manned aircraft. Paul, can, can you talk to the difference around, you know, manned aircraft maintenance and, and unmanned or uncrewed aircraft maintenance? Is, is there a big difference? Why? What makes unmanned aircraft so safe? Yeah, look, I think um, certainly coming from, the background that I have within aviation and particularly within regards to the maintenance um, environment, I think there's um, an enormous opportunity within the drone um, within the drone industry to implement and sustain a methodology in regards to the way that we operate drones, maintain drones um, out there in the field in, in the different environments in a way that um, does actually replicate to a point the systems and the processes that have been built up over many, many years within aviation. Um, one of the terms that um, I use is high reliability organisation, um, mm -hmm. which, is, which is what Infravision strives to be. Um, you can't get there without having fantastic systems and processes and people. Um, what, what I'm seeing is that when we look at um, the risk management side, uh, the risk controls that we put in place with our drone operations, we can create an incredibly safe environment um, within the context of, of, a, of a construction site, which by virtue of the tasks they're carrying out day by day is actually very high risk. Mm. Um, we have, we have um, a lot of working at heights. We have a lot of um, people working close to high voltage uh, electricity, mm. um, uh, and notwithstanding um, uh, what Josh has mentioned in regards to the close uh, proximity operation of of, of manned uh, aircraft, um, so there's this enormous opportunity to to utilise drones to de-risk uh, an environment that carries a lot of high critical risks um, for the different uh, companies out there at the moment. And that's where we've really found uh, an opportunity to, to um, as Josh mentioned, not just offer up the initial solution of the stringing that we do, um, but when you get onto these, uh, onto these sites, um, we've certainly seen opportunities and now we've expanded our, our product into the hardware installation. So we use the drones um, to be able to install hardware um, onto the overhead conductors and overhead uh, earthwise. We've been able to partner with um, a company called PLP, which we've done a lot of development work uh, with. Um, and there are some videos out there of us installing what was the, the world's first uh, bird diverter uh, installations utilising a, a, a certain uh, a raptor clamp system that PLP have developed and we were able to carry that out in, in, in um different scenarios and that that's just a really great example of completely eliminating um, the risk uh, that was posed previously either from uh, utilising a uh, manned helicopter with a, a stick installation off to the side or having um, linesmen actually climb the towers uh, and install them manually via baskets sliding along the, the conductors. So clearly just a really safe, efficient 
uh, solution where uh, the risk has been enormously um, reduced um, in regards to what, what could happen um, mm. with, with, with something to a drone. Uh, as opposed to a malfunction, even on the mechanical equipment that a linesman's using, or or obviously in in uh, manned uh, operations with uh, helicopters. And, and you know some of the words that, that you uh, were just saying then were, were really resonating. Particularly last week, I spoke to um, Dean, who who was from Disaster Relief Australia or Disaster Recovery Australia, uh, and he gave a quote that I'm going to steal and use from now on, which is professionalism builds credibility. And I guess in this instance, you know, you guys being on site for the first time ever, there would be a, a, a number of detractors from using drones potentially into the future. People want to keep flying helicopters because we've always done it. Why would we do it differently? Have you seen that kind of occurred? And, and how do you guys then mitigate um, those barriers around people saying, we've always done it this way, why should we change? Um, really, really great question, Andrew. And and I guess um, it's really at the core of what our, you know, focus has been and will continue to be into the into the future. Um, I guess what we'd like to call out here is, I guess, the bravery and the conviction of of those within the energy industry to um, to put their foot down and, and essentially say, you know, there are alternatives out there. Um, particularly, um, Transgrid's leadership in this space um, with the the banning of close proximity helicopters. Uh, ha- has been something that's that's shown that the industry is willing to move forward, and and they're you know they're they're looking for solutions, um, and we've been able to um, to work with uh, with those companies to show that um, drone based systems are viable, and not only are they safer, um, they can be cheaper, more effective, um, and they they they're they're a lower impact. Um, solution as well um there's a there's a lot of um when you're building a new transmission easement um often you have to go through national parks or sensitive environmental areas and i guess that's been the other area where we've been able to provide an alternate um solution um through a completely different methodology of building uh building power lines that we see as uh, sustainable and will help uh, transition to a clean energy future um here in australia um, I guess uh, as some of the the leaders in in the in the field, and then uh, abroad as well. So, um, Josh, I'm going to ask you this one as well because given you're you're a previous aviator uh, in the air, and we all know this is a hard hitting podcast. So, I'm going to ask the hard questions at the same time. Um, so, I'm I'm a helicopter pilot. You know, you guys are going to come in with this this new technology and effectively take my job. You know, what, what do you what do you say back to the manned industry or the helicopter industry um, who probably have some of those, you know, thoughts and, and feelings in the back and front of their minds that, well, all this is going to do is lead to me losing, losing my role? Um, yeah, it's, it is a hard-hitting question, Andrew, and, um, you know, off the back of tragedy in the industry as well, it's, it's, a, it's a really sensitive uh, subject and, and something in the, as an aviator, someone who's spent their whole life, you know, flying aircraft, <laughs> um, you know, I, I definitely, um, definitely appreciate I guess what we put out there is that we're not saying that helicopters aren't, um, you know, manned helicopters aren't uh, useful at all in the utility space. It's just certain roles, um, perhaps more suited due to the increase in technology and the uh, the innovation that's been done um, and the desire of customers to see different solutions out there. Um, I don't think it's necessarily about a, a helicopter 
um, pilot individually. Um, I think there's a range of op op opportunities where helicopters can be uh, can be re-rolled or or utilised in different manners. It's really about um, looking at the bigger picture. Is there a better way to do something? And are there solutions um, that are viable? And I guess what we're putting forward is that, yeah, yes, there are. And Infravision has, has developed a, uh, a solution um, that, that allows uh, our customers and particularly, uh, you know, the, the leadership, the executive um, to conduct those operations um, at a lower risk level across the organisation. Um, you know, in terms of the way the system's operated, um, Infravision aren't about, um, you know, replacing, you know, um, replacing jobs. We're about supporting industry, about producing a tool of the trade, something that can be operated by those who are already in the field conducting these, uh, you know, these critical activities, whether they be construction, maintenance, or, you know, any of the other myriad of tasks out there. So. And we've definitely seen that, haven't we? Not only across power lines, but even um, every time we have, you know, for some strange reason, Australia um, is really surprised and we have bushfires during summer. Every single year, it seems to happen. We're, we're unbelievably surprised that we get these bushfires. And, and we see every time, you know, helicopters, unfortunately, um, hitting the dirt and, and there's there's opportunities across a lot of different industries, you know, to potentially um, re-roll, as you said. Josh, I think that's a really good really good word. We're not replacing, we're re-rolling. Um but also then bringing some of these pilots that have got a ridiculous amount of experience across these operations into your world. Are you seeing interest from, you know, from existing pilots to come across and, and, and work with you guys, you know, as an operator? Um, and, and, uh, and, and how's that occurring? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. Uh, Andrew, uh, the, the recent recruitment um, we've gone through has really highlighted um, a skill set out there of uh, existing pilots, um, not not just from um, uh, what you mentioned, the commercial aviation field, whereby there's, there's an obvious downturn at the moment. Certainly, that is a, a pocket um, of experience out there. Um, but we've we've also seen during the the recent recruitment um, a level of experience coming in that that actually has a background. Um, in manned uh, energy utility aviation, both uh, within Australia and, and overseas. Um, so there's some fantastic experience, in, and I guess to, to, to Josh's point before there in regards to the, the re-rolling um, of, of existing um, uh, roles and experience in energy, uh, I, I think there are people that are looking at um, spreading out and um, getting their existing experience in manned aviation across into the unmanned space. Um, and, you know, we really look forward to working um, with those sorts of people within the industry that, that have an enormous amount of experience, not just in the aviation side, but in the utility side, and then bringing that together in, as um, Josh mentioned, the, the, the sort of methodology and the process that we're putting into these um, construction sites. And I think it's, um, and, and to your point about working together as well, it's, it's actually um, not about, you know, just manned aircraft doing this and unmanned doing that or, or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, I think in the next 10 to 20 years, there's absolutely going to be roles for for helicopters and manned aircraft. Um, unmanned aircraft or, or RPAs are not going to lift 20,000 litres of fire retardant in the next 10 years. It's just not going to happen. Um, but there's an opportunity for, you know, unmanned aircraft to go out and do other things that we're currently using, you know, helicopters for or, or manned 
um, aircraft for. So um, to, I guess another question for you, Paul, along those lines, um, and I'm not asking for the secret sauce, I'm not asking for a quote, but what's the what's the economics of using a system like yours compared to something like, um, you know, a manned aircraft? Um, is it cost effective or are we investing here, you know, based on safety? Yeah, look, um, it's a great question. It's obviously one that we get a lot and we work a lot with the... Um, the TNSPs, so the asset owners, the big companies that that, that own um, the transmission and distribution uh, lines throughout Australia, as well as the what we call uh, Tier One construction companies, and and they're generally the companies that then work for the TNSPs to carry out the large construction uh, activities. So the question on economics, there's 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 two aspects to it. One first is the direct cost, and then we have the indirect cost. If I if I just talk at the direct cost uh, initially, um, there is no doubt that um, you put the asset cost of a drone up versus a helicopter, and then the operational cost of that against a helicopter. On on that pure basis, um, you know the drone technology is going to be cheaper. However, there's obvious differences, and we do not. Um, stand up and say that uh, this drone can replace this helicopter for the same uh, bottom line cost when you uh, factor in some of the things that that helicopter can obviously do that a drone can't today. Mm. So when we look at, for instance, um, uh, productivity levels of the helicopter or, or or the amount a helicopter can pull versus a drone, there's an obvious difference there. So that's when you get into what, what 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 the system is. What's the process that we're using the drone for? Because what we're not doing is purely taking a helicopter out of the process and slotting a drone in and saying, "Well, there you go. Just use the drone. It's it's that much cheaper and that that much quicker." That's that's not the case. What uh, and Josh has mentioned it previously is that we have developed a system, uh, and that TX system that we have, we can deploy onto easements. We can deploy multiple units. They work side by side. On, on an easement um, with very uh, low um, resource numbers required to actually operate those systems. We can, have, uh, we can have drones operating on both sides of the easement doing the stringing activities. Um, and when you start to compare the productivity levels of um, our TX system uh, versus the helicopter, you start becoming, you, you start to draw way back into the realms of, hang on a minute, the cost, of, the cost of deploying these two systems with its productivity versus the helicopter starts becoming extremely close. And depending on the, on the project, the drone will become more cost effective. Then when you look at, on top of that, the indirect costs, um, what we're enabling the construction companies to do um, within their projects is actually um, develop a project plan whereby is normally reliant upon... Um, the mobilisation and demobilisation of a helicopter at a certain time in a project, um, our system and our drone technology can actually work ahead of the constructions Mm. crews and we can actually create, for those that are into project management, we can actually create a significant amount of project float, which creates an enormous amount of flexibility in the the construction schedules when a lot of their... um, uh, construction can be hampered by whether it be supply chain or weather or whatever it might be down the track. So by using our method, we can actually create a lot of uh, float. On top of that, um, the other indirect cost benefits are, uh, as we mentioned before, the um, health and safety benefits. We're reducing enormously um, the working at height 
risks. Um, if we look at the footprints um, and even the manual handling uh, that occurs, um, part of uh, part of what we do, and not to go too much down into the method, but we use a synthetic line, um, which is very light uh, in comparison to some of the uh, very heavy steel draw wire that's used in the industry today. Um, so again, uh, utilising some of the technology alongside the drone. So the drone is the enabling piece here, but using the other bits of technology alongside of that, we're actually decreasing the risk and therefore the ongoing costs um, to a lot of these companies. So it, it can be quite a, a, a complex question to answer on an apples to apples uh, perspective. But when you actually dive into the actual construction projects, um, and have a look at the benefits uh, and the productivities that we're now getting out of drones, especially when we're deploying multiply on one site, um, we're seeing some fantastic results in both productivity and cost benefit. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, as I, was, as I was listening to you explain that, you know, this is a complex problem and you find people often say drones are better than helicopters and then a manned aircraft person will say, well, helicopters are better than drones. And it's like total BS. Like they're just, you can't compare them from, from those perspectives. So I think you put a really good perspective on, on that actually that it's going to come down to a hell of a lot of different factors and even the project length and cost and duration, I'm sure, is going to really affect some of those, um, some of those things. Hey, um, Josh, let's talk um, before we sort of look at wrapping up in the next 10 minutes or so. Why are we not using drones more? Why, why is there not more drone use? And I guess if you might be able to back that up or, or Paul jump in around, where are the regulations at? Everyone, everyone loves to complain and whinge about CASA and I'm the first one to kind of jump on, on their bandwagon, to be honest, because I think they're doing a good job of what they've got. But what, why are we not using it more? And where are the regs at the moment and where are they heading? Um, yeah, um, I'm... Uh on the same sort of vein as you there, Andrew, I'm a big fan of, uh, of CASA and, and we've had a really great uh, relationship with them um, to date and the support that they've offered um, as we've innovated and as we've pushed the boundary on a number of different fronts, um, you know, I, d I definitely can't, uh, can't knock, uh, knock CASA. Um, I think some of the opportunities that are before us are refining the regulation and sort of moving away from perhaps that... Um, you know, that uh, the original sort of manned or piloted approach that they've taken to um, using um, uncrewed systems. Um, I think there's some opportunity, particularly around um, BV loss and, and where we can go in terms of making sure that we've got operators that understand the environment that they're operating in. Um, because at the moment, you essentially have to be, um, you know, from a piloted background uh, you know, a, a, you know, pilot air, uh, background to you know to, to have your foot in the door there. Um, in terms of, I guess, you know, CASA them, themselves, I think what's what's getting um, what I'm seeing is is an increase in responsiveness from them, particularly when it comes to requests. So, um, you know, we've had some really amazingly short lead times to obtain approvals to allow us to go conduct um, critical activities, and I, and I think as they continue to automate their systems and, uh, mm. and build a workforce that really understands um, that industry is not, you know, industry wants to support uh, and work with them. Um, you know, I'm also uh, active with the AAUS and there's been some, some great work being done there in making sure that we work, um, you know, hand in hand with, the, with CASA as the regulator to ensure that um, we're able to get some of these opportunities um, across the line. I think where to in the future and why aren't there being more unmanned aircraft um, being used? Um, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a tough one. I mean, 
first of all, what, what are the problems that we're trying to solve? I mean, I think at the moment there's a really good focus, particularly within Australia, on very select areas where, um, you know, uninhabited systems provide genuine benefits. There's not, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, uh, a, a carte blanche drone that just does everything. Mm. Um, you know, it's horses for courses. And so at the moment, um, I, I think as the systems move from sort of this, uh, I guess, um, enterprise sort of hobby background and then sort of start to meet up with um, what's happening in the urban air mobility space, I'm really excited about what's happening in between there, particularly in the, um, in the systems that you would call industrial or, or heavy lift and and i'm looking forward to um you know companies advancing their technologies to help support our technology that we've built and provide more valid op, uh, um, options for us so i guess you know reasonably long answer there but i think there's some um some really great opportunities and i think we're sort of addressing the main challenges at the moment um so, you know, if we can keep this engagement going and, and keep conversations like these going on, on podcasts and, and within in industry and with the regulator, then, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I, I don't fly manned aircraft anymore. I'm in the, <laughs> you know, I'm in the uninhabited game. So, um, you know, I think that's a clear indicator of where the future lies in, in my eyes. Yeah, and I think it's really cool. You guys are an Australian company, Australian-owned company, a bunch of veterans running around, having a good time, um, and also working with other Australian companies. Like that, that to me is what's missing in a lot of these, um, a lot of these projects, a lot of these things people are doing is they immediately look offshore for you know systems that can come out of you know other places that are not in Australia, um, as opposed to looking on our doorstep where you might find things are slightly more expensive at times. But we know supply chains good. We know those systems are secure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hey, um, I'm going to throw these questions, or this last question to both of you, but I'll start with you, Paul. Um, so speaking on behalf of, um, of both Chris and Cam as, as the founders of the company, where is InfraVision in, 20, in 10 years' time or 20 years' time? What, what are you guys doing, do you reckon? Yeah, look, um, for InfraVision, it's, um, it, it's, it's a vision which is not just within Australia. Um, it's a vision uh, which is global. Um, the technology that has been developed here in Australia um, via the system that, is, that has been built out of our factory in Queensland and supported by, um, as has been explained, uh, uh, also a local supply chain of drones. We have the capability to, to not just support Australian industry, um, but support international industry. Um, and uh, we're certainly looking at the opportunities um, nearby to us, our nearby neighbours, uh, and certainly uh, further afield. Um, in fact, we've, we've, we've engaged just even during our um, development stages uh, over the last 12 months with um, many international companies within, within the energy industry and the construction uh, side of the industry and how they work today. Uh, and we've had some really fantastic responses um, in regards to the way our product uh, is going um, and certainly so from an improvision perspective um, as I say we're looking to support all the major projects that are occurring in Australia over the next sort of two to five years but we're also looking to uh, branch out uh, internationally and I have to also throw in there that in, in addition to 
um, our TX system, which is which is really what what our our prime uh, current objective is, uh, alongside our hardware installations. We're also um, branching out into some of the techn- technological solutions uh, as well that can be installed by drones to further assist uh, energy companies in the way that they manage uh, their networks. Um, so our engineering division uh, alongside uh, Josh in aviation is really looking closely at that, um, at some solutions there. And again, that has the opportunity to not just be within, within Australia, um, but the world. But we really are, are wanting to be the uh, provider of choice when it comes to um, the energy, energy industry and the stringing activities um, that we do. So, Josh, I might go slightly slightly left uh, from that question, given Paul gave such a good response around where the company's headed. Um, where, where is the unmanned, uncrewed RPAS drone industry, whatever we decide to call it? Uh, where is it going to be in ten or twenty years? Do you think? Um, yeah, I was going to I was going to start pretty uh, pretty blue sky um, as well <laughs> with uh, with you know just as Paul did. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I'll just quickly touch on that before I answer the question. It's you know, I see a real opportunity for Australia, given the the amount of um, you know our, our leadership in the transition um, to renewable energy, particularly, and the supporting construction that needs to happen, and the transformation of the grid from sort of this sort of static uh, static grid to a very dynamic system. I see Improvision being a, a brand that's squarely in that space. Um, with a real focus on um, providing um, solutions for for our customers, a better place. So, you know, that's the, I guess that's my sort of blue sky nice one. Um, sort of vision <laughs> for it all. Um, in terms of uh, the role of, I guess what we're talking about is the um, the transition to true autonomy, and that's where I, I'm really uh, that's what I'm really excited about. Um, not only you know by Building systems in this in this area, but also working with other companies here in Australia and from around the world to really pioneer some of the technologies and making sure that we're focusing, you know, our, our valuable resources as a world on actual problems and not just doing things that are really cool. Um, so that's what I see the the real opportunity from. And I, I sort of touched on it earlier. I, I think there's um there's a genuine transition that needs to to happen. Um, across the industry from sort of, um, you know, I guess the, the hobbyist or the, um, you know, the home-built sort of origins of um, unmanned aircraft to genuine sort of uh, industrial applications. Um, you know, we've been, uh, we've been flying in the skies for, for over 100 years. However, if you look at um, the evolution of the systems that we're operating at the moment, it's very, very early days. Um, so we've got to make sure that we maintain the focus on what is actually um, going to help um, reduce risk, increase profitability or efficiency across the uh, across the board. And, and really, that's where I see the opportunity um, on the technology front. On the people side, I'm really excited about the, the opportunity to bring diversity to the workforce. Um, you know, the, the industry... Um, it has sort of uh, some pretty common roots of where it's come from. However, there's going to be, you know, today there are and there will be a multitude of more, you know, multitude more opportunities for young people, people from different backgrounds um, to be involved in the industry 
and get out there and, and do some really great work and help um, help ratchet the industry forward. And um, and I think Australia is really well positioned, um, you know, given given the focus and the opportunity in front of us to to achieve that. I definitely agree. Thanks for um, thanks for the insights in, into what you think. Um, Gents, we, we might uh, we might look at wrapping it up there. Um, we've gone uh, sort of nearly fifty minutes. Um, Josh, mate, thank you for, for uh, not only for, firstly for your Air Force service, obviously to, to the country, uh, but then you know really getting in and and knuckling down in this area. It's, it's fantastic. And Paul, it's great to come across fellow Qantas family members um, who, who I'm sure our families have all crossed paths at, at some point over the years. Um, and, and you know the, the last point I want to make about Infravision, I guess, is thanks to you guys for you know having that trust and, and working with people within our industry in Australia to um, to build up other people. You know, I keep saying to people the whatever the saying is, the rising tide you know lifts all boats or whatever the hell it is. And um, you know, if we work work together, then we're going to be far stronger than if we work apart. So thank you guys, and and thanks to um, your head shed, um, Chris and Cam, for the work they do as well. It's really appreciated across the industry. Uh, thanks very much, Andrew, and, and likewise, thanks for your for your service, mate, and thanks for what you're doing within the industry. Um, I think it's it's really great to to have a platform like this where we can communicate a, across um you know uh, you know across the state lines, which are a little bit divided at the moment, and uh, also internationally as well. And um, thanks very much for your time; appreciate it. No worries, and ladies and gents, if you want any more information, jump on um, infravision.com.au. Is that right, gents? That's it. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, and LinkedIn as well. And I believe um, you might even see something on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. There we go. We, everyone get on TikTok and look up Infravision. Um, so LinkedIn, Josh Williams, uh, Director of Aviation, and Paul Crawford, Director of Operations from Infravision. Check out infravision.com.au. Give them a follow on, uh, on LinkedIn as well, I'm sure. Keep an eye out to Tim Hibbard. Um, great guy working with Infravision at the same time um, as well. Gents, thanks again for your time. And... Um, and hopefully, Josh, you get yourself out of uh, over out of COVID lockdown pretty soon. Yeah, and no, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing the family again. That's for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. Bye.